I'm sharing on the Ascension today, which is number four in the Easter series. Going back to number three, which was on the Resurrection, we pick up at the end of that story. After Jesus descended into Hades and Paradise with the keys of hell and death, the Bible says he set the captives free and led them into the heavens. That's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. On his upward journey, he visited the earth and took upon himself his entombed body and met Mary Magdalene in the garden near the tomb and told her he had to present himself to his Father in heaven. The angels at the tomb had told Mary and the other women to tell the disciples that Jesus would meet them later in the day at Galilee. When he had finished making the presentation of his blood to his Father for the purification of the sins of the whole earth, he returned to the earth that same day in a resurrected body that could never, ever die again. This resurrected body was without the constraints of a limited physical body, but it could be seen and recognized as a natural body. In this spiritual, yet natural body, Jesus could appear anywhere and at any time. He could feel and be touched. He could breathe and eat and walk and talk, all of which he did when he resumed his earthly visit. So we pick the story up now. Here is Jesus in this body. Remember, this body does not have blood. That blood has already been presented to the Father and spilt at Golgotha. Upon his arrival back on earth, he set off walking from Jerusalem in the direction of Galilee, where he had said he would meet with his disciples. And it was then that he saw two disciples walking together up ahead of him in serious discussion, and he recognized them. The Bible says, He appeared to two disciples whilst in another form, heteros morphe. This is Jesus in another form, appearing to two disciples. Heteros morphe means an altered form or nature. So he appeared to these two disciples as they walked and went into the country. That's in Mark chapter 16. These were men who had been among the many disciples who had come to listen to him and ask questions. He began to make up ground on them because he wanted to talk to them. And as he gradually closed in on them, he mused upon his first impressions of his return to this familiar territory. He was struck again by the bewilderment and confusion in this world of uncertainty that people cling to so fervently. And he heard snippets of conversation in Jerusalem concerning the last three days. He heard that the temple priests had fabricated a story that his body had been stolen by the disciples and that they had overcome the temple guards and raided the tomb. He also heard that his disciples were still doubting that he had risen from the dead, even though some of them had come to the tomb and seen it empty and some women had spoken to the angels. He finally caught up with the men and greeted them and he joined them as they walked. But Holy Spirit had supernaturally veiled their eyes from recognising him. Read this in Luke chapter 24. He quietly listened as they spoke, and he detected the same mood of bewilderment, if not depression, that seemed to be hanging over everybody. He politely commented that they seemed to be bothered about something that was going on locally, and he asked them, what might that be? 
The one called Cleopas gave Jesus a, a puzzled look and said to Jesus that he must be the only visitor in Jerusalem that hadn't heard about what had happened. So when Jesus asked Cleopas to spell out what he meant, the other man began to patiently explain about the man called Jesus, a great man whom they had both followed and believed in, and in saying that he began to enthusiastically recount some of the miracles that Jesus had worked, and that he was a prophet, the greatest of them all. Cleopas broke in and added that Jesus stood up for justice and taught them about God. They thought he was going to turn the world upside down and make everything new for them. Jesus pushed them further for more details, and they said that they had expected that there would be freedom and prosperity for the Jews for a start. There was a pause. Then one of them gave a sigh and told Jesus how the temple priests had convicted Jesus as a criminal, and how he was crucified by Pontius Pilate, and that today was the third day since these things had happened. When Jesus asked them to explain the significance of the third day, the two men looked at one another awkwardly, and one of them shrugged and said that the man Jesus had said he would rise from the dead after three days. Cleopas took up the story again and explained that some of the women even went to the tomb and found it empty and reported that they saw two angels who said he was alive and that some of his very own disciples also went to the tomb and found it empty. He too shrugged as he finished talking. Jesus nodded and remained silent for a few paces as he walked alongside the two men. He then very pointedly asked them why on earth they didn't just believe what they had been told by Jesus himself. The other man, a little impatiently, replied that they hadn't seen anything, so what were they expected to believe? It was then that Jesus declared to them that the time was coming when they would believe even though they didn't see. He began to speak about all the scriptures concerning himself. He spoke in detail of the plan of the Father to send the Son into the world. He taught them from the writings of the scriptures about the prophecies that outlined the details of his birth and his life and death and his resurrection. Something happened in the hearts as they listened to him. And the time flew by, and the next thing they knew, they were close to Emmaus, which was their destination. They didn't want Jesus to stop talking, so they appealed to him to stay with them, even though he told them he was going further. They asked him to at least stay and have a meal, so Jesus accepted their offer. And during the meal, Jesus took some bread, gave thanks for it, and as he broke the bread, their eyes were opened, and immediately they recognised who he was. This was the ordinary, extraordinary moment, sitting at a table, life happening, very natural yet very spiritual, eye to eye and heart to heart. Jesus heard Father speaking to him from heaven, telling him that this was the way it was going to be. Holy Spirit would be the one who would open their eyes to see him and know him as he really was. And that was the way the plan would be implemented from heaven to earth. Jesus then heard Holy Spirit whispering to him, People will speak the truth about you, and I will reveal you to them. The next moment, Jesus vanished from their sight. After Jesus vanished from their sight, 
the two men decided to go back into Jerusalem and find the disciples who were in hiding, afraid of what was going to happen to them. Because there were rumours about that they were going to do something to Jesus' body. In fact, that they had indeed stolen Jesus' body. They found them and were whisked inside and the doors were locked behind them. They told them of their journey with Jesus on the road to Emmaus and their miraculous meal with him where he had suddenly vanished. The disciples were ecstatic that Jesus was back from the dead and while they were still talking, Jesus appeared in their midst while the doors remained locked. The disciples panicked and thought they were seeing a ghost, but Jesus explained to them that he was not a ghost because a ghost didn't have bones and flesh. And he asked them to touch his hands and his feet and to see for themselves. Jesus stretched forth his hands and his peace hit their hearts. He breathed his spirit upon them and they received the impartation of his peace. They immediately felt at one with Jesus and with each other. But this was just a mere foretaste of what was to come, as it would only be after his final ascension and being seated at the right hand of Father that Holy Spirit would be sent to dwell within them. On the day of Pentecost, Holy Spirit would be sent from Father and from himself upon all humanity. He could still see their bewilderment, and he knew he had to convince them in some ordinary way that he was real and alive again. So he asked them if he could have something to eat. James scurried to the fire and brought back some steamed fish and some honeycomb and held the mixed platter out at arm's length as Jesus accepted it and ate it with gusto. He looked around the room and noticed that Thomas was not amongst them. He asked them why they didn't go to Galilee, where he said he would be there to meet them. They shuffled about without giving an answer, and Jesus told them he would see them in a few days at Galilee, and he vanished once more. The disciples gathered at Galilee, where Jesus had said he would meet them, and Peter had been waiting with the others, but he became restless. And he said to James and John, Look, I'm going fishing. Will you come with me? Let's get some food if we're going to eat with Jesus. While the three were out fishing, Jesus suddenly appeared to the others as they sat patiently waiting for his arrival. When Thomas saw Jesus appear, he walked hesitatingly towards him and stopped in front of him. Jesus knew that Thomas had not believed that he had risen, even after the other disciples had said that they had seen him. Jesus held out his hands towards Thomas, told him to touch his hands where the nails had pierced, and to touch his side where the centurion's lance had entered his side. Thomas broke down and wept, and told Jesus that he believed. And Jesus gently acknowledged his faith, that in seeing, he now believed. He went on to tell Thomas that there would be many who would believe without even seeing him, that they would be greatly blessed for that kind of faith. Jesus comforted him, and he left them before Peter and James and John had returned. Jesus was to meet with many others during that 40 days visit. Jesus appeared to the disciples again one morning after seven of them had been out fishing all night and had caught nothing. He stood on the shore and watched them fishing, but they didn't realise that it was him. He shouted out to the fishermen from the shore, asking them if they had yet caught anything. 
A disgruntled no came from Peter to this expert on the seashore, who responded to Peter by telling him to cast his net on the other side of the boat. Peter was about to explode when he heard John cry out that the expert on the seashore was indeed Jesus, the Lord. Peter then yelled to the others to do what Jesus had said. So they threw the nets to the other side and began to pull so many fish into the boat that they could hardly keep the boat afloat. But by this time, Peter had plunged into the sea, swimming for all his might to get to his friend on the seashore, leaving the crew on the boat to work together on the haul. When Peter lurched his way up onto the shore, he headed straight for Jesus and collapsed in front of him. He saw that Jesus had already prepared a fire with burning coals and had fish and toasted bread ready for them to eat. He didn't ask Jesus how he got the fish. Jesus reached down and helped Peter into a sitting position and told him to go and get some more fish from the catch so that they could make breakfast for the others. After they had all enjoyed breakfast together, Jesus called Peter aside. He knew that there were things that had to be said between them. Peter's soul was in a turmoil of regrets and shame and guilt. Time and again he had asked himself why he didn't stand up for Jesus instead of disowning him three times when he was asked if he knew him. And could that have made a difference? He had remembered when the rooster crowed that Jesus had predicted that he would do just that. What was Jesus going to say to him now? Would Jesus disown him? Even rebuke him three times? But Jesus asked Peter three times, in three different ways, whether or not Peter loved him. That love of Jesus owned Peter at that moment, and Peter passionately gave himself up to the ownership of God's love. As a true representation of a flawed humanity, owned by God's love, Peter was forgiven and accepted. It was also this moment that owned him, not the past, or the uncertainty of the future, and this would also continue to be his greatest gift to God, the giving of each moment to Jesus. After having his spirit and soul fed with these words of love from Jesus, Peter was commissioned three times by Jesus to feed God's lambs and feed his sheep. As Peter would go on in life, he would face his many imperfections and he would learn to return to each present moment, as in that special moment where he could surrender to the ownership of love, shed his fears and grow in faith as a partaker of the nature of God. The scriptures tell us that Jesus met with hundreds of people over those 40 days. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And he worked many supernatural signs to prove he was indeed risen from the dead. He shared with them that the heart of the Father had always been to have a family of sons and daughters and to share his love with them the same way that Father had shared his love with Jesus himself. Satan had tried to block this plan from the beginning of time by blinding the mind of humanity with darkness, causing a chasm of separation from the living God to exist in their minds and to devise independence in their souls. But Jesus had overpowered darkness and Holy Spirit would join their lives to his risen life for them to become one in spirit with him. Holy Spirit would place Father's love and his own words 
in the hearts of men and women as a deep consciousness of indwelling, abiding life. He told them that they would together be as his body in the world. And each one would be gifted with grace and faith from heaven. People and things that happened around them would change as they themselves became more and more changed into being more like him. He finally gathered the eleven disciples together to give them teaching concerning the kingdom of God because there remained still a glimmer of hope in many of them that very soon he would establish Israel as a political and sovereign nation in the earth. He explained that the timing of Israel's future kingdom status in the earth was in command of the Father and that those times were not for them to know. He made it clear that this present earthly mission did not include a national political agenda, but it was to create an inner spiritual kingdom which he would rule over from heaven. He said that when the Holy Spirit had come upon them, they would receive power to testify about his death and resurrection with great force to the people in Jerusalem and throughout Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And on this last day of his 40 days on the earth, and after teaching them these things, Jesus then led them out along the road to Bethany. And when they reached the Mount of Olives, he told them not to leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came upon them in fulfilment of the Father's promise, a matter he had just previously discussed with them. John baptized you with water, he reminded them but you shall be baptised with the Holy Spirit in just a few days' time. A dazzling light shone within a billowing white cloud above them. Jesus turned to them all and raised his hands in blessing. He did not need to say goodbye. As he began to rise slowly heavenwards, he was enveloped in the cloud. And as they stood together looking into the cloud that had taken him, they saw the shining figures of the two angels standing to one side one of whom told them that the same cloud that they saw taking him into eternity would also bring Jesus back one day in total glory and triumph. And the plan will have been fulfilled. Amen.